डियर लिस्नर्स साईराम वेलकम टू अवर रेडियो सीरीज आफ्टरनून सत्संग दिस इज अ डिस्कशन बिटवीन रेडियो साईज प्रेम एंड अरविंद ऑन डिफरेंट स्पिरिचुअल टॉपिक्स एवरी थर्सडे ऑन एशिया स्ट्रीम ऑफ रेडियो साई ग्लोबल हार्मनी यू कैन एन्जॉय दिस लाइव कॉन्वर्सेशन इट्स फ्रॉम ट्वेल्व थर्टी पी एम टू टू पी एम इंडियन स्टैंडर्ड टाइम Today's episode was first featured as part of First Day Live on September 5th, 2013. Welcome dear listeners to another episode of Afternoon Satsang. This is Prem from Team Radio Sai joining you for this week's satsang as always with Arvind So today as we have decided we can stick to speaking about the greatest teacher that we have ever experienced and without a sliver of doubt that is Swami of course last two weeks dear listeners we had started up discussing the greatest teachings of our greatest teacher which are satya dharma shanti and prema and in that discussion we had completed the discussion on a satsang on satya a satsang on dharma and so today we thought we would take up on this teachers day as a teachers day special satsang on the third human value which is shanti or peace when you talk of shanti as a human value so you can understand somebody saying that satya and dharma are human values you should do what is right and you should speak the truth mm. but shanti is more of a quality mm. you know i don't know if anybody can develop i mean you are peaceful or you're not peaceful how mm. do you consciously be peaceful you know that's the question which arises you can consciously be truthful you can consciously be righteous but can you consciously be peaceful to resolve this doubt again that is where swami's teachings come in so beautifully because as we discuss with satya also with truth when we think of truth we in a day to day basis we think of truth only in the manner of being honest but we understood the truth that swami speaks of is trikala badhyam satyam which is the ultimate truth in the same way we discussed dharma sankat moral dilemmas and what righteousness actually means in the same way Swami goes about even speaking about shanti or peace. You know, they say that you cannot call the lack of war as peace. You cannot say that it's a war time and the other time is peace time. It's a common misnomer. For example, in the armed forces, one of my friends is working in the Indian army mm-hmm. and he says that I have got a peace posting okay. because this is supposed to be peaceful times. <laughs> But I mean, we know how peaceful we are in these times. There is so much agitation, so much of distress. There is so much of pain. There's, I don't think we can say that these are peaceful times. But that is the misnomer of peace, and therefore, these doubt arises that a peace is just a kind of you know either you are peaceful or not. How can you develop peace? And as we shall see when we discuss and when we talk along what Swami has said, peace is something. much more deeper much more fundamental very true you know talking about satya and dharma swami approach that in the sense that if you do these these things then you will be speaking the truth always mm. if you fulfill these criteria then whatever you do will be dharmic and i think that is the same approach swami is bringing in when he's talking about shanti also mm. if you remember these things then you will always be peaceful correct whatever you do will be filled with peace whatever you say will be based on that shanti So maybe Arvind we should start with that small discourse clip where Swami is talking about peace and three or four very profound points which Swami makes there maybe that would be a good starting point for this discussion on peace itself 
So let us listen to that. This was a discourse delivered by Swami in 1996, the 6th of July to be more precise. We listened to this two-minute clip, but Swami is making very powerful points about peace in this clip. You cannot say that he is the one of peace who could face, resist all problems and anxieties, losses. One should maintain equanimity in both times of pleasure and pain. The pleasure is temporary, so also pain. Night is temporary, so also the day. So everything is a passing cloud. Nothing is permanent. Today you may be happy that today is a full moon day. But there are Therefore this world is temporary and full of misery. Therefore the whole world is temporary. Who experiences the eternal joy? Who experiences that eternal bliss? This moment is happy, thereafter is miserable. Therefore, peace should come out of you, not from outside. Every person asks, this question, I want yeah, peace. What you want? What you want? Question, I want peace. I want peace. I want peace. Any foreigner will ask for this. I want peace. I want. I peace. want peace. Any padamlu, mood padamlu. Here you find three words. I want peace. I want peace. Three. I want peace. I ego. I ego. Want desire. Want desire. Anything you say, peace is ready made. Remove ego and desire. Peace is there ready made. Peace mana ventane untundadi, jantane untundadi, intane untundadi, kantane untundadi. Peace is with you, in you, always. And around you. And around you. Kano sarvatra undine kwenye nta kudu ne peace. Everywhere peace is present. Prapanchamulo nchi mana kuchhe kwenye nta kudu ne peace kado. Prapanchamanta pieces, pieces, pieces. You don't get peace from the outer world. You find only peace is outer. Peace, so peace is within. You are the embodiment of peace. You are the embodiment you of peace. You are the embodiment of truth. You are the embodiment, you of, are the embodiment of love. You are the embodiment you of love. You are the embodiment of God. You are the embodiment of God. When we, when we recognize the truth, that is real peace. Well, Prem. When you listen to the way Swami beautifully connects these things, it's almost like one thing leading to the other. If you are truthful, if you follow Satya, automatically you follow Dharma. If you follow Dharma, automatically you get Shanti. If there is Shanti, there is automatically Prema. In the same way, you violate any one of them, automatically all are lost. It's like a package where you stick on to one and you get everything and you give up one and you lose everything. In fact, I remember also a Chinna Kata that Swami says with this regard, you know, goodness is like that. You start with one, automatically other things come in. Uh, even evil is like that. You start with one, automatically all other tendencies come in. He gives stories for both. Mm-hmm. You know, for the good quality, he gives the example, I think we narrated it in a satsang, of the thief who vows to tell the truth always. Right. And uh, when he goes to rob, that is the same night when the king is also in disguise. 
and so the king also joins the robber he finds three diamonds ha huh? and he goes in with a deal that whatever is found he'll share it with this king who is in the guise of a beggar okay how okay, so yeah. can he find three diamonds huh? he says that three will be difficult to divide among share uh, equally so he leaves back one diamond and he says the two we will share it with ourselves yes and the next day king actually knows who is a robber but when the minister reports the minister says that the robber has come and he has taken off everything because in the meanwhile the minister would have pocketed that one diamond and the king comes to know of that he actually punishes the minister and appoints the robber in his place because he knows that all said and done this person is a truthful and honest person and swami says his life changes after that In the same way he narrates the story of a shopkeeper mm-hmm. who is selling adulterated ghee. Okay. So he's selling adulterated ghee because of which the three punishments that are offered to him is either you drink your own adulterated ghee or you pay this many gold coins as a fine or be ready to take this many lashes. So the person doesn't want to give up money in fact he's adulterating ghee so that he can earn more money this craze for money swami says that it is so terrible so he doesn't want to give money and he feels that the lashes will be painful so he says that i will eat the adulterated ghee and as he's eating midway he gets nauseated he feels so irritated he feels that yucky kind of feeling so he says no no i can't do this let me take the lashes instead and so he starts taking lashes but 20 lashes at the 10th lash itself swami says that he is unable to bear the pain so he says okay please let me go i'll pay the fine so swami says once you get into something negative it's a loop that builds on and finally he ended up doing everything so swami says both ways you do one thing good it attracts more good do one thing bad it attracts more bad so in the same way with these values too it is almost as if you get satya automatically dharma comes shanti comes prema comes you give up anyone you lose everything so they are also inextricably intertwined but from this discourse clip that we heard four things become very clear one thing that swami says is that ephemeral nature of the world if our peace depends on the ephemeral nature of the world we will never get it the second thing that swami says is actually a corollary of the same thing where he says that peace cannot come from external it has to come from internal the third thing swami says is if you want peace you have to drop ego and the fourth thing that swami says is if you want peace you have to drop desire so these are the four guidelines four points that swami makes in this short clip but the way swami starts is very interesting because mm. swami starts by removing a preconceived notion mm. swami says that you think that you decide to achieve something overcome the obstacles which come on the way and finally you achieve it and you get peace out of that mm. he says this is a fallacy it doesn't happen that way peace does not come by achieving anything or by overcoming any obstacle peace does not come by this and peace comes by the four things which you pointed out exactly so i think we can go into each of these points that swami made i remember that uh, you know speaking of the ephemeral nature during the 50th birthday there were a series of nine discourses well i think i may take this opportunity to also once again remind our listeners that the 50th birthday was one magnificent event a very historic event and so many things happened during that and one of the most profound things were eight discourses that swami delivered in one of those discourses swami so powerfully says he says you desire to achieve peace and happiness from an object he says you as this transient body it is not permanent that object too is not permanent but what you are seeking is everlasting peace and happiness so he says how does it make sense how can one changing object give another changing object something that is unchanging and permanent it is simply illogical and not possible and if we think that the whole world is engaged in this pursuit 
it really makes me wonder are we an evolved and intelligent species or are we just fools and you know one of the nice stories which i've read is how a yogi once gets the desire to eat something special mm. he thinks that you know once you get a craving you think that if i satisfy that craving then i'll get happiness hmm. or your restlessness ceases but the yogi knowing well otherwise he knows that because this is not cemented in his mind that this idea that peace does not come from outside that the body is still craving for something so what he does is you know, that very same dish which he wanted to eat he takes it and eats much more than he actually wants to eat or he can eat so then you know he says that after some time he pukes so the disciples who see that they realize that if the happiness or the peace is coming from what he is eating then the more he eats more it should come correct but why does it happen that at certain point did you stop you know wanting to eat it it just shows that there is a craving from within and the satisfaction also comes only from within you know very interesting because a similar experiment was done in our institute i remember mm-hmm. it was just 3 4 months back okay. during an awareness class the gulab jamuns made in the north indian canteen are really tasty and in fact i consider it as the best gulab jamun on earth mm-hmm. because i have had it at two three places and i don't think anywhere else it is as tasty as the one that is made in the north indian canteen okay but you know they took this gulab jamun to the awareness class and they said we need a volunteer for one small experiment what is the experiment they said the experiment involves eating gulab jamun so immediately so many hands shot up and this is such a pleasant experiment who does not want to be part of it one of the boys who came forward he was known to be a big eater who loves eating food and everybody also said okay something eating means this guy will do the best so he sits on the chair in front of the class and they give him one gulab jamun and they ask him will you like to eat it he says definitely so he ate it he said one more he said yeah one more one more he ate 12 gulab jamuns and then he thought that you know this is something that he will get cheered for but instead of that that packet got emptied mm-hmm. the teacher there took out another packet in which there was another dozen gulab jamuns and now this boy realized oh my god so he tried his best from the other packet three more 15 gulab jamuns this is a magnificent record in itself after that he said it's a no more He said, "Why? It means you love gulab jamun, right?" He said, "Yes, I love gulab jamun." Then, but no, enough. When you love gulab jamun, you eat gulab jamun. It gives you happiness. Yes. Then why not? It is giving you more. Said, no, I cannot. And at that point, the teacher made a very powerful point, which had its impact on the students. He said, "How can you be sure that this will not be the case with money, with power, with influence, with any of these things? Till you get it, you want it. Just like." the moment gulab jamun is mentioned so many of you salivate you want it the same thing happens with money the same thing happens with power with influence you want it how are you sure that once you get it you will not feel like puking out the same thing and we have seen how many examples of such thing in the world prem of course we might not have achieved the pinnacle of all the four but how many people in each category whether it's money whether it's power or influence having reached the pinnacle they say there's nothing here we want peace and swami in fact used to point out to such devotees who in the worldly sense have achieved so much and yet they come to swami and say swami we want peace swami says if money had to give peace this person would never have asked peace from me That's and exactly, that is you know what some studies of the european countries revealed hmm. some of the most wealthy countries which have the highest gdp per capita income hmm. were supposed to be the most well satisfied citizens hmm. the suicide rates are highest oh and people are wondering if everything is there then what is lacking why are they not peaceful and why are they not happy with themselves mm. and another point even as we were talking and what you already mentioned is that you know how every value leads to the other because we started off by telling 
the ephemeral nature of things and we went on to the point of saying that happiness does not come from outside correct so how understanding one thing will automatically lead you to the next understanding because swami was here you know in the discourse saying that every day has to end every night has to end a night being darker does not mean it's going to last forever a day being brighter does not mean that the day is going to be two or three days longer than usual that was the ephemeral nature and swami is saying that if you keep that in mind then you will not seek the joy from outside from a thing which is ephemeral and automatically you will start looking inside for happiness and peace or whatever correct you know this brings us to the other point automatically you know from ephemeral nature even these four points regarding peace that swami said we see how closely connected they all are and in fact it's actually just one point not four we made it as ephemeral nature peace coming from within dropping of ego and dropping of desire but we see all these four are connected you know when you were saying about the study in europe i remembered another point that swami makes during one of the discourses of the 50th birthday those eight discourses that i said about mm-hmm. swami says there that who is the richest man in the world swami says he who has much contentment is the richest man in the world who is the poorest man in the world he who has many desires is the poorest man in the world so you know swami equates desires with poverty and desirelessness with affluence and wealth so we have a notion that the material prosperity and the money that a person has determines how rich a person is but swami says that how much contentment a person has is how rich a person is that reminds me of that famous 99 club story it's a famous panchatantra story also the story goes that you know there is a very rich man who has immense lands and many people working under him but somehow he feels that he doesn't have the happiness that a person who is so rich should have hmm. and then there is this worker in his farm who has a small family who works for a daily wage and he finds that somehow he is more happier than him so always he is looking at that man and is wondering you know how is it that you are more satisfied and happy so one day he calls his assistant and he says what do you think is the reason why he is more content and happier than me so he says it's a simple thing you know you are in the 99 club and he is not hmm. <laughs> that's what he says then this is a landlord asks what is this 99 club so he says uh, if you're ready to spend 99 gold coins i will tell you i'll demonstrate that to you hmm. so the rich man says yeah definitely why not and then he collects this 99 gold coins in a bundle and leaves it outside this worker's house so the next morning the worker opens the door and finds this 99 coins and when he counts he finds that there are 99 and he's surprised you know when god is giving why does he give 99 he should give a round figure right he should give 100 or 1000 or 500 <laughs> why this 99 So then he starts looking for the hundredth gold coin, and then he finds that it's not there. So he says, "No, somehow I should earn enough money to make this ninety-nine into a hundred. Hmm. Some whole number, nice to store and keep." <laughs> right. Hmm. So he starts working two jobs. Then he neglects his family, he neglects his son, and starts working day and night, thinking of this hundredth gold coin. And then this whole thing is being observed by this landlord, who realizes that this is what is happening with him. that he is not happy about having the 99 gold coins but he is thinking about the 100th gold coin it's always like that prem you know in a way all of us are part of this 99 club you know when we earn say 10000 dollars we are looking to the day when we can earn 15000 and we feel that's it the minute we earn 15000 we'll be satisfied and happy but when the day comes that we are earning 15000 dollars we feel that you know all we need is 20000 dollars the 100th gold coin is elusive 
because you know the story ends in that manner but i'm sure if that person within say 5 months time of hard work he managed to make the 100th gold coin he would have felt that you know best would be to have 101 so that there's one gold coin as an extra and the 100 gold coins are safe the way that the story ends is huh the landlord actually comes and tells the man that this is what happened i put that 99 gold coins and this is what happened so the moment he says this the man realizes Mm-hmm. that he is being stupid and he is actually doing the same mistake that his landlord was doing mm-hmm. so he takes the 99 gold coins and returns it to the man almost exchanging it for the piece which he already had wow that is a very <laughs> powerful point it's almost as if you sacrifice in order to get peace you know because in a worldly sense it looks so stupid you're giving away the 99 gold coins that you've got i'm also you're giving re- away the 99 gold coins you've got to get that piece which will come at the end of that 100th coin <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know it also reminds me of something that i've observed in day to day life you know there's an indian show called kon banega karorpati it's an equivalent of the american show who i think who wants to be a millionaire who wants to be a millionaire it's a reality show and it's just a series of 15 questions answering which you do not pass an exam but you win crores of rupees in money so what i see there is you know on many occasions i've seen this that each successive question leads you to winning higher amounts so you start off with 5000 rupees then 20000 rupees then 40000 rupees and then you know after a certain point say 3 lakhs or 6 lakhs rupees you are told that from now on every amount you win till some basic amount you know like say 6 lakhs if you don't reach that you get nothing after that point they say that every question you answer will double your money but if you don't answer you again drop back to the basic amount which is some 3 odd lakhs right so now imagine a person is there he has won 6 lakhs and now a question comes if you are not able to answer it you're going to drop to 3 lakhs if you answer it you get 12 lakhs he answers it gets 12 then from 12 he goes to 25 lakhs then from 25 lakhs to 50 lakhs you know he makes an error he drops down to 3 lakhs and you know he goes back weeping he is feeling so horrible he feels like he has lost 22 lakhs but if you see overall what has happened in 2 hours time you have gone you have been on television national television for the whole country to see you have got your few moments of fame you have interacted with some of the popular guys on television and you are taking back 3 lakhs home you are supposed to be happy right but the 99 club makes us feel sad for that missing one gold coin rather than the 99 gold coins that we have and that's what happens in this reality show how many people we see crying saying that you know we lost 10 lakhs we lost 12 lakhs nobody says we won 3 lakhs or we won 6 lakhs or we won 20 lakhs they always say that we lost this we lost this we went to the show and lost 14 lakhs this is the 99 club there's another story which they say a man goes to the river bed huh? for his morning ablutions and he sees a gold plate being washed by the waters okay So the moment he sees that he jumps into the river trying to get that gold plate mm-hmm. and then the currents are very strong so he's not able to hold on somehow he tries to catch some shoots which are growing in the bank he's not able to he's again being washed away then he realizes that because he's holding such a heavy object he's not able to swim to the bank so finally it comes to the point whether it's the gold plate or his life so he lets the gold plate go and then comes to the bank and then he's sitting and crying and crying and crying and a friend comes and asks what happened why are you crying he said my gold plate is gone my gold plate is gone Hmm. And the friend comes and tells him that gold plate was never yours. Yes. <laughs> it came and it went. But in between, in trying to achieve it, you are feeling despondent. How stupid it is! And that's what a wonderful quote which says, 
that always we mm. are proud about what we think we would have been mm. if our situation in life had been better we would have been something great we are mm. proud of that not Correct. of what we are and we always sad about what we could have achieved that's what is meant by saying being is lost in becoming absolutely you know in fact i'm remembering another incident this happened in kodai canal mm-hmm. and it was a shocker to all the students whom swami had taken along with him what happened was swami seemed upset with all the boys mm-hmm. he was not speaking to any of them so all the boys were always thinking what happened why is swami angry with us why is swami upset with us and they tried all different ways and then they even told swami you know he said swami we were ready to give up our lives also for you please swami what happened tell tell that evening swami after the bhajan session signaled for the discourse table to be brought in the bhajan hall in kodai canal this was totally unexpected and unexpectedly swami started a discourse and during the course of the discourse you know swami started saying nenu nishkamudini which means i am desireless i have no desires having said that swami made a very surprising statement you know in retrospect we know that everything that swami does is with a meaning with a purpose and with the reason for teaching us some lesson but at that time it seemed so surprising swami has just now said that i am the one without desires the next statement swami makes is but i have one desire and that desire is this and swami explained he said that when my children when my students are here they are good they are so noble but when they leave the portals of the institute when they leave my doorstep and they go out to the world i fear that they will get spoiled they will get ruined and they will no longer be ideal this is my worry and even as swami said this he broke down and seeing him break down all the boys seated there all the devotees seated there started to cry and swami said i this is worry haunts me day and night and swami continued he said all the boys said they are ready to give up their life for swami he said who are you to give up your lives your life is not yours it belongs to god so that's for god don't give up your life for swami live your life the way swami wants can you promise this today when we look back at it it's like a divine drama you know swami is beyond emotions but because of that you know in every heart i know some of our colleagues who were there part of that discourse in all of their hearts a steely resolve came that whatever happens we will follow swami's ideals and be with swami and live our life the way he wants but you know as i was saying this was the incident very poignant incident and very beautiful incident actually and really seeing that video it wrenches the heart mm-hmm. swami crying like that but you know in a slight tangent if we see it shows that even when the lord entertains the desire swami said i have one desire that i want boys to be good and hell it's almost as if swami is giving us the message that even when the lord entertains a desire there is bound to be sorrow because swami broke down it was like as long as i am desireless there's no joy no sorrow nothing that touches me i am peaceful but the minute i entertain this desire that i want my boys to be good see this is my condition i just felt that this was one more message that swami was indicating through the same episode because you know swami always hits strikes several birds with one stone so i just felt that this was another possible interpretation this is what i felt it's really a very powerful message because even if the avatar's physical frame can get affected by desire what to speak of us humans i'm reminded of something which very funny one of my teachers had told as you said you know what swami actually said and did swami really have attachment it's not that mm-hmm. you know in front of swami is the predicament of trying to inspire these people as much as he can and do whatever it takes to inspire another occasion was when swami wanted to correct some boys hmm. he was very upset with some students and he wanted to tell them that he was very upset and in trying to explain that swami made this statement he said you know i am shanta swarupa hmm. the one who has 
undisturbable peace mm. that's what swami described himself you know you, nobody can disturb my peace mm. i started this college and i've lost all my peace <laughs> mm. you know wanting to make the boys feel bad and change their ways mm. as you said and we know that how much swami loved the students and you can quite understand when swami says i started the college and i've lost all my peace really but again you know if we can take the other because it's always complete in every angle you view it's filled with a message both these episodes definitely scream out the message that see even if i entertain a desire if i have some ambitions if i have some expectations i'm bound to lose my peace so definitely giving up desires and being desireless is the only way to get true peace as swami calls it but it doesn't seem practical right i mean how can i be desireless so maybe we will discuss on how we can practically bring on this concept of being desireless so that we can be peaceful after this short break sai prem de shanti de anand de baba prem de sai prem de shanti de anand de baba prem de sai prem de shanti de anand de baba prem de तुम हो बाबा दया के सागर तुम हो गुण मंदिर नटनागर आदि अनंत है सत्य सनातन आदि अनंत है सत्य सनातन अलख निरंजन साई जनार्दन अलख निरंजन साई जनार्दन सच्चितानंद प्रभो कृपा करु प्रेम दे शांति दे आनंद दे बाबा प्रेम दे साई प्रेम दे शांति दे आनंद दे बाबा प्रेम दे तुम हो बाबा दया के सागर 
coming to these practical points which swami has given about how to be peaceful hmm. going back to that clip where swami is saying to understand the ephemeral nature of everything including hmm. your joy and sorrow hmm. you know understanding that this will come and go i think you will be aware that 1999 during the convocation drama there was this episode from the mahabharat which was enacted which is very close to swami's heart swami has narrated this so many times in his discourse oh i remember that in fact i remember that swami was so attached to this episode because of its poignancy that the whole convocation drama was about 1 hour 58 minutes and this depiction of the pandava brothers and krishna it lasted 55 minutes can you believe it <laughs> nowadays we have a convocation drama which is wrapped up in 50 minutes that time a part a subplot in the drama itself lasted 55 minutes that was how much you know swami was attached right very elaborate and i think that was the year when swami was very particular about the costumes every year of course swami goes through all the details about the drama but that year special attention to this scene as you said 55 minutes and swami was very particular about what kind of clothes they wear and what were the dialogues which were told each one of them had i think long padyams as their dialogues this scene in essence of that particular drama was that the pandavas are banished to the forest they've lost the game of dice and they're there and each one is so upset about the turn of events yes what has happened is they have been very strict on their adherence to satya and dharma and especially because the eldest among them dharmaja as swami calls yudhishthira the eldest brother he has been very strict in the adherence and because he's the eldest brother all the others though they don't like they don't see it as fair they feel like in rome we are to be romans if somebody is not following dharma we also just follow that way and destroy them that is their attitude but the elder brother is firm on sticking to satya and dharma and he says that satya and dharma will protect us and satya and dharma have apparently landed them in a forest with no kingdom with nothing but their self respect and some of the brothers also believe that even their self respect is gone and that is why each of them is now just condemning and criticizing the eldest brother you know asking them is this what your satya and dharma do and i remember swami himself composed poems for each of those brothers right. of yudhishthira who will sing it out to yudhishthira and such beautiful compositions i am afraid we don't have it right now with us but such beautiful compositions 2 2 minutes each each of them are singing and you know as they are criticizing yudhishthira yudhishthira also hears all these and he is down into depression suddenly it's as if the embodiment of satya and dharma that yudhishthira was he himself is getting a doubt about satya and dharma whether is it right that he is sticking to satya and dharma 
that is the situation and that's when krishna enters the scene and he is like usual jolly good self and he says i ah, hope you're all enjoying well and hope you're having a fun time in the forest and that's when everybody bursts again and they say this is what being good and being righteous it landed us in you're making a mockery of us huh? right and what krishna does is he says okay i will give you a magic mantra mm-hmm. and he said whenever you are troubled whenever you're worried you read it and it will lift your spirits and so in that scene krishna takes palm leaf and there it writes and there an interesting thing in this drama which was staged as the convocation drama happened swami suddenly looked at krishna and says how will you write with what will you write so then the teachers were coordinating this and swami will give him a pen in the sense you know the traditional old style pen he said no 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 pen and all that then swami waved his hand and materialized a gold needle sort of a thing which swami said you can write with this and swami said you keep it in your crown the back side behind your ear and swami said i'll give it to you you can use it for this drama and you'll have to return it back to me <laughs> that <laughs> who, was the precondition no it might have been krishna himself <laughs> it might have been the very pen with which krishna wrote we never know mm-hmm. so then they promised and that was given and with that krishna writes this mantra and gives it to yudhishthira uh, before you proceed in i remember all of us we knew that swami had materialized this pen so actually the drama is was a social theme and in that the subplot was this pandavas and krishna and in that also this krishna taking out the pen and writing that mantra on the leaf was maybe about half a minute you know all of us were focused on that and it was almost when it came ah no 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 look at it look at it. ah see that that is the pen that is the pen that because that is how swami does in our lives whichever part he touches becomes the one of all our focus and attention as it happened in the drama right so krishna gives this small leaf to yudhishthira and goes away and then the argument starts again with the brothers they're saying there's no time which is more you know worrying than this you've never been as depressed as we are now so i think this is the best time to read to the mantra ha huh? yudhishthira opens the paper and he just says this too shall pass that is what is written and you know very beautifully choreographed that drama where suddenly bhima turns to yudhishthira and says you mean the suffering we are undergoing and yudhishthira says this too shall pass the mockery and the kind of injustice and ridicule that's happening to us and yudhishthira says this too shall pass the pain of not being able to protect our wife and not being able to give the best to our mother will this situation last forever this too shall pass hmm in that's how that story is as narrated by swami and it's a very powerful thing because when he says this too shall pass everybody's spirits get raised and they realize that this is just a small part in their life and it is bound to pass i remember you know in the discourse clip we heard swami telling sukha dukhe samay krutva labha labho jaya jayo in fact even in the drama that was staged krishna actually sings out that a very shloka sukha dukhe samay krutva labha labho jaya jayo you know the magic of this mantra is it brings in equanimity you have won something and you're on top of the world you're getting the award and you're getting a reward and you're so thrilled at that time just take a moment out take a breather calm yourself and tell this too shall pass i mean you are not going to be on top of the world forever swami says harati nimeshat kalas sarvam everything is taken off in due course and time so therefore this mantra you know it teaches equanimity that don't exult over your victories because they will pass at the same time this mantra also prevents us from being depressed because when we are in a low in life when things seem to be going all awry and nothing seems to be going right you just tell yourself again this too shall pass and that is what swami says if it's a purnima amavasya is coming soon and if it's amavasya and you think it's a dark night there's no moon don't worry it's going to build up from now and lead to a beautiful purnimas so this too shall pass is a great leveling mantra it's a great mantra which gives equanimity and it's equanimity which actually brings peace and therefore this is one beautiful practical method prem that swami has suggested that use this mantra of 
this too shall pass this too shall pass any time we go to a positive high or a negative high both times close your eyes calm down and tell yourself this too shall pass this is not permanent and that will make us contented and peaceful and in that clip another thing which ami says is that when you are established in the truth mm. or you are at least able to go back to the truth after every time you are unsettled mm. that will bring you back to the state of equilibrium as fast as you can hmm. you know i'm reminded of a very beautiful story which i came across a couple of weeks ago where there's a businessman he's having a lot of problems and ups and downs in business and in family so he goes to a yogi and he says maharaj i'm very very troubled and you know i'm very restless i'm having a lot of problems hmm. so the yogi asks do you realize that you're restless naturally I he know. says yeah that's why i've come here hmm. because i know i'm not fine i'm not happy hmm. so he says so you know that you're restless you know that you're not happy which means you are the knower of your restlessness okay you're not restless yourself if you can see that your mind is restless then you're not your mind so it is not you who is restless but your mind which is restless so this man pauses and thinks and this is very profound i've never thought of it this way then goes back and comes after a few days and he says it is magical you know all my worry has been removed i have no worry now i am mm. absolutely peaceful whatever you have taught me is so magical and immediately the yogi says wait 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 you know that you are peaceful he said mm. yes i can feel the peace you know that your mind is calm he said yeah my mind is very calm so understand that you are not peaceful or calm your mind is peaceful or calm you are just the knower of that you know it's such a very profound thing that if we are able to stop and think as we have told many times before that we are only doing a certain role and this role is going to end and what i am before the role and after the role is what i really am hmm. the amount of peace which will come will not only give you peace of mind but it will also enable you to carry out a role in a much better way beautiful so with that i think we can say that we come to the end of one of the practical ways right. which is tell yourself that this is not permanent this will pass this will pass be it happy or sad always tell this so that you are not in any kind of a high either a positive high or a negative high and equanimity is one way of getting peace then the other thing that swami said was about desires he said drop desires and we were thinking how is it possible that we can become desireless and that is why swami has evolved for all of us a practical course which is so magnificent so beautiful and so practical if we can use that in quotes for us to follow and that is the ceiling on desires program right in fact the ceiling on desires program was formalized during the 10th world conference and it has been adopted as one of the nine points of code of conduct for every sai devotee now you know speaking about ceiling on desires this is during a discourse that swami delivered on the 19th of january 1983 mm. at abbotsbury in madras right during that discourse swami said that there is a lot of confusion about what is the ceiling on desires let me tell you this swami said see when you are feeling thirsty if you don't get water it becomes very difficult for you but at the same time you are not able to drink the whole ganges ganges is one of india's largest rivers you will not be able to drink the whole thing you just need a cup of water or maybe two cups of water and then swami says the wind makes you feel good but just because it makes you feel good the breeze if you go on increasing more and more wind if you want the same wind that made you feel good beyond a certain limit becomes a devastating tornado swami says the same thing happens with your body temperature if your body temperature goes low you start feeling chills you start feeling shivers okay you feel very sick but then swami says you raise your body temperature but if it goes beyond a certain point you know what happens the same things happen again again you start feeling shivers you start feeling chills you got a fever 
टू डिफरेंट काइंड ऑफ फीवर वन ड्यू टू लो बॉडी टेम्परेचर वन ड्यू टू हाई बॉडी टेम्परेचर सो स्वामी से सो यू सी एवरीथिंग इन दिस यूनिवर्स इज अ लिमिटेड कंपनी इट हैज सर्टन लिमिट्स बिलो दैट लिमिट ऑल्सो इज टफ अबो दैट लिमिट इज ऑल्सो टफ सो देफो इट हैज टू बी विद इन लिमिट्स स्वामी से इज द सेम होल्ड्स गुड फॉर ऑल अवर डिजायर्स अवर नीड्स मनी टाइम एवरीथिंग स्वामी से इट शुड बी विद इन लिमिट्स because less than that definitely brings trouble but we think that upper there is no limit we always feel that less money is troublesome that we accept it but we are not ready to accept we think how can me earning 20000 dollars instead of 10000 dollars ever be difficult no no it is always going to bring greater joy only it's just like that 15th gulab jamun <laughs> it's like that 100th coin that is what so swami says it has to be within limits if it goes beyond the limits you're bound to lose peace therefore have the ceiling on desires program where you take in only what you need and therefore do not waste food do not waste water and swami goes on i think that is a second practical way you know by which we can bring peace into our lives by following the ceiling on desires program it's very interesting in it because the very example that swami is giving mm-hmm. of one glass of water and a gallons of water washing you off mm-hmm. between floods and the same water which gives you relief from thirst mm-hmm. can actually drown you mm-hmm. the thing is with water we know you know when we drink too much you can already feel that it is affecting but there are some things which will show their effect on a prolonged period of time mm. those are things like money and things which we run after when we are overdoing it we don't realize that it's hurting us mm. it's much later that we realize that oh we overdid it and it's hurting us in this thing is something which swami says always in pertaining to everything in fact in some of the vahinis which swami has written when swami is telling how a sadhaka should carry himself mm. swami is saying he should not walk too much he should mm. not talk too much Hmm. You should not sleep too much. You should not keep awake too much. Oh God! Ah. You should not read too much. The middle path, right? Because we think that you know, if you are a sadhaka, you keep meditating all day long without sleeping, or you are a monk who keeps walking. Swami says everything too much is going to unsettle your equilibrium, and you will not be able to think of God, or you will not be able to think of your path. In fact, you know, this kind of ceiling on desires. is how swami started the concept of narayan seva also you know swami says narayan seva is not poor feeding swami says it is an expression of ceiling on desires swami says that you know every time you eat he says don't overeat 99% of the time swami says you tend to overeat and he has in fact given a formula he says when you eat half your stomach should have food quarter stomach should have water and quarter stomach should have air in fact i feel when we eat we eat full stomach food and we have no place for the water we use the water to wash down the food and that's why we get so many belches you know there's no place for the air to be in the stomach so it's being expelled out from all sides and that's what happens swami says instead of that instead of overeating you save instead of eating 3 full spoons of rice if 2 is what satisfies you for the sake of the tongue that is where desire comes in the difference between the need and desire for the sake of a desire don't overeat keep aside that and swami says that every family if every member does this over a span of say one week so much food would have saved and this is real savings it is it is not something that you have extra expenditure you have done because this is what you have cooked and you have just done ceiling on desires and swami says that food you serve it to another hungry person and that is narayan seva in fact i think many places they do this and it's such an ennobling feeling for all those who are involved when they serve the food they feel so happy it is definitely more joyous than just throwing some money buying some food from a restaurant and distributing it because this has you in it and swami says that will make its impact you try it out you know even as you saying this <laughs> reminded of a joke huh. which is very popular when we were in school and all that 
there's a man who is returning from office mm-hmm. and he tries to catch a bus he's just missed the bus the bus is going so he's trying to run up behind the bus thinking that if it slows down he'll get into the bus and then eventually he runs all the way till he reaches the station where he has to get down so then after reaching there he realizes oh today by running behind the bus i've saved 5 rupees okay <laughs> he's so very happy he goes back home and very jubilantly he declares to his wife today i've saved 5 rupees she says how did you do that how did you say 5 rupees he said no today i missed the bus i came running behind the bus and i saved 5 rupees <laughs> the wife says are you should have run behind the taxi you would have saved 25 rupees <laughs> <laughs> but you know jokes apart this exactly was what swami did through the ceiling on desires program hmm. because lot of people who took to this very seriously you know when they would plan for an event hmm. let's say they plan for a vacation they'll say hmm. if i go for a vacation i will be going to this place and i will be doing these things i will be traveling by this class then they would say that i don't need to go on this vacation so whatever money they would have put aside for that vacation for that expensive thing they will say now this money i can use it for seva yeah even if you don't go to the extreme of cancelling your vacation instead you say when i go there this is what i do if i'm going say to a forested region or whatever no i will not stay in an air conditioned accommodation you know sometimes i find it so funny we take a vacation to one place of superb natural beauty and then we take up a room that is having air conditioning and television and satellite phones why did you go to nature in fact let me give up on that i'll give up on air conditioning and save and what that i have saved i will offer and we see that you know the way swami jumped in joy when that boy gave 100 rupees for the hospital project he wrote a letter saying that swami i have washed my own clothes and this is the money i have saved 100 rupees if with this you can buy one brick for your hospital swami i will be happy swami was so thrilled just the previous day he had refused millions that had been offered to him by somebody and here was he jumping in joy for 100 rupees why because it's not the money that matters it's that feeling that matters and swami says god always sees the feeling and therefore just as 100 rupee become so valuable for swami over millions in the same way the offering that we do by sacrificing i give up that comfort why because that comfort i'm offering it to some other brother or sister of mine who is in need that is what touches the lord and that's why he says tyage naike amritatva manushu immortality comes only through sacrifice so charity does not mean you know disposal of my excess income or tax saving of my excess income charity is me giving up something that i hold dear so that somebody will also enjoy it and me feeling the same joy as if i am wearing it because somebody else is enjoying it and that is what is appreciated and so as you said we know of certain people who are actually doing this you know if a wedding is there in the family they make sacrifices on some of the extravagant expenditures that they have to make they say no we will do away with this so what if this is not so no problem and that they put into an account called the ceiling on desires account and that money is used for doing seva it is so ennobling in fact there are schools running based on ceiling on desires just imagine controlling our desires putting a ceiling on it is resulting in something so fulfilling that you are able to provide free education to children isn't it so amazing you know you cannot talk about simplicity in living in the ceiling on desires context without mentioning one of the greatest philanthropists we've seen in our times you know it's mm. warren buffett mm. even now if you go and read about his life he's been the richest man in the world he's been the third richest man i think even now he would be in the top 10 richest men in the world but the salary which he draws is much much lesser than the people of his cadre draw mm. and the house he lives in is the same house which he bought and moved in in the year 1955 
Hmm. You know, he oh. says I can afford more, but I don't need more than this. That's you know, he can afford point. millions of dollars, but he says I don't need more than this. And there was another article which I read the other day. What do the top officials, CEOs, drive? You know, what are their favorite cars? And there were these different CEOs, each driving a Porsche, and they were driving limousines. But he was the only man who was driving a car which he bought, which was the first car he bought. I think it's a Toyota car. And he says, I need this. I don't need anything more. He doesn't even have a chauffeur. He said, I can drive myself. You know, this has been reflected even in Swami's life. We narrated this during the Satyam Shwam Sundaram. You know, when Swami has to go to Kamalapuram for the cattle fair, Pushpagiri to serve as a cadet. He has no money. He doesn't want to bring the family name down by begging for money. So what he does is... Anyway, he doesn't use his books because he doesn't have any need for books. He has not used his books. So all the books are new. He decides to sell them. And when he goes to sell them, he says that that boy who was in need of the book was a poor boy who couldn't afford. So he decides to sell it for half the price. And half the price turns out to be 13 rupees. But then Swami tells that I did not need 13 rupees to go to the fair. For me, 5 rupees was enough. So he tells the boy, give me only 5 rupees. The boy is shocked. He says, we agreed on half price and half price comes to 12 or 13 rupees. But Swami says, of course it comes to 12 or 13 rupees, but my need is only for 5 rupees. So give me 5 rupees, it's enough. And Swami did it so naturally and casually. It is so amazing. And when you said about Warren Buffett, I was reminded of this because as you said, even Warren Buffett says that, yes, I can afford a much bigger mansion, but I need only this. You know, it reminds me of that famous story by Leo Tolstoy. How much land does a man need? (laughs) You know, the story of a man who is told by the king that you go and... As much land as you cover by walking, that much land will be given to you. He would have thought of asking the king for just one acre of land so that he can do some cultivation and subsist. But he's thrilled with this offer. So he starts walking, walking, walking. In the beginning, he decides that at 12 noon, I'll turn back and I'll walk back. So I would have covered half and I'll reach back because the king would have told that if you don't reach back, then you get nothing. You know, this is the thing that is factored in everything, even in who wants to be a millionaire and Khan Banega Karurpati, even by the king of those days, the Tsar. So this man starts walking. He doesn't factor in the fact that the first half I can walk faster because of energy. The second half I can't. But even then he thinks, you know, after reaching the midway point, he thinks, let me go a little more further. If I run, I can reach back. So in the greed, when the need is replaced by greed, you know, you go crazy. He goes ahead. He covers much more. He turns back. Then he realizes the sun is almost setting. So instead of walking, he starts jogging. Finally, he's running, he's panting for breath. He runs, runs as the sun is setting. He collapses in front of the Tsar and he's dead. And then Leot also writes that finally, the land that the man was given was a plot six foot by four foot. That is why Gandhiji said that there's enough for every man's need, but not enough even for one man's greed on this planet. And that is where the Ceiling on Desires program comes very handy. And not only there is not enough for one man's greed, but mm-hmm. that man's greed can be so detrimental for that man himself. Correct. You know, that's what Swami is making here because as we said that Abhutsbury discourse, Swami mm-hmm. said a beautiful point. I am not encouraging you to practice the ceiling on desires so that you can give that money for charity. That of course is one of the good things offshoots that comes out of ceiling on desires. Practice ceiling on desires because that is good for you. Because exactly. that is going to give you peace more than it giving money for charity. I remember one of my classmates in the MBA did a very interesting project. We have to submit a thesis right. project. And so his project was very interesting. His project was on peace and happiness. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of the project, he came up with a formula, which is very easy to understand, I feel. The formula states that peace or happiness is proportional or let us say equal 
to a fraction and what is that fraction the fraction has as its numerator mm-hmm. the number of desires fulfilled and has as its denominator number of desires entertained okay always the number of desires entertained is greater than the number of desires fulfilled because we are able to fulfill only a fraction of the desires that we entertain so say if i fulfill 4 out of 10 desires that i entertained my piece is equal to 4 by 10 which is 2 by 5 which is about 40% so i have 40% happiness he found it out he did a statistical study and he saw that this is close to reality so if you are able to fulfill 8 out of your 10 desires then you have 80% happiness you are more happy your happiness is more wholesome but then you know he found out one or two interesting things the first thing he found out is everybody tries to get 100% happiness by trying to increase the numerator which is number of desires fulfilled so if i am able to fulfill 7 out of 10 my next endeavor will be how to fulfill the remaining 3 also i want to make it 10 out of 10 i am not happy with 7 out of 10 the second point that he discovered was very very interesting he stated that as you increase the numerator unknowingly and unconsciously denominator seems to simply increase <laughs> he says you start off by entertaining 10 desires you have fulfilled 7 as you head towards fulfilling 10 The minute you have fulfilled 10 desires, you look at the denominator, it has grown to 15 without you even realizing. Exactly. Swami says about eczema. Swami says desire is like the itching sensation which comes with eczema. Yeah, when you itch, it feels nice, but it only results in exacerbating the wound and it and causes... And increases the itch. Increases itching. the itch. And then, you know, his study continues. He says in the study that instead of trying to increase the numerator, he says there's one more magical way. Just reduce the denominator. We always think of reaching a full figure... by increasing the numerator we forget that we can even decrease the denominator and finally he comes saying if the denominator tends towards zero then the piece tends towards infinity that is desires entertain tends towards zero then the piece that you get tends to infinity imagine if desires entertained is zero i mean a theoretical proposition you are not entertaining any desires even if anything happens it's one desire fulfilled one upon zero is infinite peace and i feel that has been the secret of all the masters no desires that's what swami says neno nishkamudini i have no desires when i have no desires my peace and happiness will always be infinite because anything upon zero is infinite and zero upon zero is one is wholesome this is another interesting aspect because this whole project was inspired by the ceiling on desires program ceiling on desires as you rightly said is not only for doing charity to others but also benefits us and i think with that we come to the end of another beautiful method practical method by which we can get peace the first as we discussed was to use the mantra that this too shall pass this too shall pass the second is to have ceiling on desires where we take and use only what we need and not what we desire so i think at this point we'll take a quick break arvind we'll play a song and we'll come back and wrap up the discussion about the other aspect which swami is telling swami said i want desire drop the desire and drop the ego that's the other point but again we will come back to that discussion and we will see that how it is so related to whatever we have said so far
you know, talking about these practical things which Swami has told, one more point before we move ahead, I remember when Swami is talking about this too shall pass and the ephemeral nature. Once somebody had come to Swami about their problems and asking Swami to give them a solution, Swami gave them a thing similar to this too shall pass and very, very effective. Swami told that devotee, you just think of the same problem mm. two years from now. Imagine mm. that two years have passed and you're looking back at the same problem. And Swami just gave him a few seconds and he looked back and he said, Swami, it'll be so trivial. I'll have no amount of pain which I'm having now, two years from now. Swami said, yeah, think of that and then this problem will go. Mm. You know, that again is a very, very practical way of looking at it. And I've seen that having magical effects, you know, when you're having some problems. And you know for sure, many problems which come to you, you know for sure that they're going to go. Mm. And when you think that if this goes and then if there's some peace, when I look at this problem, what will my opinion about this problem be? Sometimes you do not even think two years later. Sometimes it can be as less as two weeks later. Two weeks, three weeks some, later. Some of the things that worry us, they will be having zero impact on us two weeks from now. And yet we worry about them. So yes, that is the third practical method. That is, think of what will happen to this event, say two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now. That is the third. The fourth one is also a somewhat related one. We are talking about ceiling on desires. It's related to ceiling on desires thing only. So the fourth one says that replace your lower desires with higher desires. Turn everything towards God, Swami says. If I'm getting jealous, turn the jealousy towards God. Think why am I not getting God's grace? Why am I not loving God more? Why can't I love God more? Like why can't I love God like how Meera loved? Why can't I love God like how Ramdas loved? Make all your six enemies, Arshad Vargas as they are called, Kamakrodha, Loba, Moha, Madhamatsaryam, that is jealousy, greed, desire, turn all of them towards God. That is converting a lower desire into a higher desire. That also leads to peace. Right. And one thing which whenever we talk about these practical things, you know what reminds me is, these are all things which you can do when it doesn't happen spontaneously to you. Hmm. And with time, the moment a problem comes, you know, you will not have to sit down and think of all these things or apply all these techniques. Your first response will be to think like this. Yes, it's like riding a bicycle, that's all. It means, you know, right. once you learn how to balance, the minute you're given a cycle, you're riding it. But in the beginning, you're told, don't lean towards the left because the cycle will collapse to the left. You have to keep so many things in mind. But once you learn it, it comes spontaneously. Right. Going to the last point which Swami was making even in that discourse clip and which will be the last point in our discussion too. The Swami says, I want peace. Remove mm-hmm. the want and I is the ego and give up the ego and then you'll be left with peace. So what is this ego and of course we've done a complete satsang on this point of understanding ego. I think dear listeners if you're interested in that because that was quite a profound and quite a deep discussion on ego. We did it on the 30th of August August, 2012 so you can download that. I think it covers almost many things that Swami has said about what is ego. But here we just assuming that everyone has heard that we are continuing this discussion and bringing out the final practical point. And what Swami essentially says is wrong identification is ego. Even in that discourse clip which we played, Swami says that, that when you understand that you're not this body, automatically the ego will be dropped and you will have peace. So ego we can define as wrong identification or wrong attachment. Right. Again, during the 50th birthday, in one of the discourses, Swami says, I think this was one of the first few times when Swami used this example. He says, when you say this is my kerchief and he picks up the kerchief and he says, This is my kerchief, which means it is separate from me. I am not the kerchief. In the same manner, when you say this is my body, doesn't that logic hold good? When you say I am the body, you are different from the body just as you are different from the kerchief. So too, when you say this is my mind, you are separate from the mind. You are not the mind. Therefore, you are not the body. You are not the mind. Then who are you? Inquire into that and you will realize everything, Swami says. Because that 
is true identification we identify ourselves with the body if somebody pinches my leg i say why did you pinch me you know if somebody makes me feel sad i tell them why did you hurt me is the mind that is sad but we do a wrong identification this wrong attachment is what constitutes ego and one of the ways this ego expresses itself is as pride because mm. you know when you associate yourself with this personality that's when your ego gets hurt the achievements of that personality makes you feel proud of it right and the lack of it makes you feel hurt but if you were to just sit down and think for yourself like there are people who feel that i have a good schooling you know i've had a good upbringing the fact is maybe you have no role in that you were born compared to a person who cannot talk of having a better schooling or a better education it's just that he is born in a situation and you're born in a situation and it's just that you have been given a gift if you think of it that way if you think that a talent is a gift of god and you are not associating that as your possession hmm then this idea of pride does not come giving a possessiveness and attachment yes then the pride doesn't come it makes us humble it makes us grateful and these are two powerful ways of overcoming ego and attachment humility and gratitude i have tried this out prem personally and it is so effective morning would be ideal but any time in the day if we can just spend 5 minutes counting the blessings that we have because however bad might be our situation we still have so many blessings and in fact just counting the blessings itself if we start we will not have enough time to crib and cry for what we lack because counting the blessings themselves seem to make our life so much more fulfilling so much more filled it makes it so much more joyous and it attracts more joy and more fulfilling it attracts more things for which we can be grateful in life for at the same time when we spend time complaining it seems to attract more things in life about which we will complain so as another final practical method we can bring it as subduing the ego through gratitude to swami and humility so the whole process of getting peace can be summarized in these practical methods that we started off with first one was the mantra this too shall pass the second thing was about dropping desires and for that we went through the ceiling on desires program the replacing lower desires with higher desires that's the third thing and the fourth thing you had said was regarding the ephemeral nature itself right the final fifth thing is dropping the ego and you can drop the ego or the wrong attachment through gratitude and humility and you know just reminded of another beautiful thing which swami told somebody explaining the concept of prayer hmm where this devotee asked swami that swami is every major event in my life already predetermined Hmm. And Swami said, "Yes, you know what you are supposed to get, what you are supposed to not get. It's all determined." Then he said, "Swami, then why do I have to pray? Hmm. You know, suppose you want to get admission into a college, it is predetermined whether you are or you are not going to get in there. Then why do I have to pray?" Hmm. Then Swami said, "See, prayer will give you humility." Hmm. He said, "If you are destined for higher achievements, but if you pray and get those achievements, you will not get pride out of that achievement. Hmm. You will always think that this has been a blessing of God." Hmm. So Swami says true prayer should give you humility. Wow. Another practical why do we pray and also when you pray and doesn't happen you know that I've made my prayer and God has not given it to me so maybe it's not good for me. Hmm. So that's a very easy and simple way of course nothing is easy and simple in that sense of getting to equanimity and having a peaceful mind. So with that dear listeners we conclude this satsang on the third human value which is shanti which is peace as always we cannot say that this has been comprehensive this has been our attempt our endeavor with lots of prayers and sincerity we have 
studied through Swami's discourses and whatever occurred to us, whatever touched our heart, we have compiled it. All your thoughts, all your feelings are welcome. You can write to us at listener at radiosci.org. So do share with us what your thoughts are about whatever discussions we've had today. As Arvind said, you can write to listener at radiosci.org. We offer this humble effort of ours at Bhagwan's Lotus Feed. Sai Ram, you just heard an episode of our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a live discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and today's episode was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12.30pm on September 5th, 2013. You can mail us your comments and feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and Sai Ram from Prashanthi Nilayam. <laughs>